This is Sean J. Granny making Sean Gran, and today I have the pleasure of interviewing the one and only Lapalux. How are you doing, good sir? Good, man. Thanks for having me down. Yeah, good to hear. How's your day been? Uh, sweaty. Yeah. Uh, it's been nice, though. I've been sitting in the park. Yeah. Been, uh, getting into some podcasts. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, um, I saw that you were listening to a, what's it, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah, and Star Talks. Is it Bill Nye as well? Uh, he's in some of the episodes. It's okay. like switches a lot. Yeah. But yeah, I just stumbled upon it this morning. I was like, wow. Awesome. Have you always had an interest in uh, astronomy? Uh, yeah, from a sort of outsider's view. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I don't claim to be a professional in the, in the field. But yeah. I, yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, I've definitely been interested in it and thinking about other life forms and stuff like that. Yeah, does that affect your music, do you think? I think so, yeah. A lot of, a lot of art and culture specifically you know to do with science and industry and stuff yeah. like that kind of all blends together yeah so where are you based right now because you have moved around a bit haven't you yeah yeah so uh, at the moment i'm bethnal green east london yeah how's that compare because you're from essex aren't you yeah i mean it's not too much different to be yeah. honest uh yeah it's all right yeah yeah it is what it is at the moment yeah living with some mates so yeah it's all good we have a little fun time so yeah, it's nice. Good stuff, man. So apart from England and whatever, do you feel like you have a strong connection to anywhere else in the world? Because I know you spent some time in Prague. Yeah, so. yeah. I don't know. Whenever I go somewhere, I kind of get swept up by certain places, like Japan, for instance, and especially the States as well. I love New York and places yeah. like that, and Germany as well. And it's all good Like if you're there for a little while and that, and you kind of get used to it, then you have to come back to London but you kind of, yeah, I don't know. London has always felt like a bit of a bit of a base for me, and the yeah. UK is definitely where I'm at right now. I always thought about moving to either Berlin or New York and that, but it's just such a effort to get that sort yeah, of emotion. Yeah. And I like being around in this time zone as well, and you know, all my mates are around and that. So especially yeah. with the weather, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, you might change your mind next week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> winter comes i'll definitely change my mind yeah so you um you got your start as far as it goes with like cutting up clips and making music via mm -hmm. the game music 2000 yeah shout outs to codemasters yeah, um, yeah were you quite into video games as a child or was that kind of just the one yeah you found your one and that was it yeah i was yeah i mean i had the the nez the one before the snes i yeah. remember having that as the first console i ever got for like Same. christmas yeah yeah and uh ever since then yeah i've just been on a sort of PlayStation hype ever okay. since, really. And just, yeah. I mean, I don't really play it so much anymore, really. But when I get into a game, I fully get into it. You know, I can't do anything else. Yeah. So it kind of, like, distracts me a lot. So i kind of recently been trying to put a little cap on it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, got to wean yourself off. Yeah, I can't be sitting there all day just, like, you know, in yeah. a dark room, just, you know, yeah, shooting man. people and stuff. So What was the uh, the last game that got you sucked Oh, in? mate, Battlefield 1. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I hear good things that. about it. Yeah. Oh, it's mad. Yeah. Are you game. like big into your shooters? Uh yeah, I I'd say that's my definite like go-to game. Okay. But saying that, there was a sick game that I bought recently and just completed it in a day. It was just amazing. I think it's called Inside. Inside. Okay. Yeah, um yeah, I might be getting that wrong, but it's like a really yeah, it's just a beautiful. It's like a side-scrolling game. Oh, it's not the Yarn character, is it? Like, like he's a red thing with string. No, it's just like young boy and you're just escaping. You don't know what you're escaping. Oh, okay. But it's just, yeah, it's phenomenal. Like, it's really beautifully done. And it just turns into this absolutely crazy... It just blows your mind every every second. Yeah. yeah it's an amazing game. A lot of these indie games have this ability, like on a, a super low budget, to create a, a story that really sticks with you afterwards. I don't know if you've ever yeah. played, like, Braid. No. Braid no. was like the time traveling one from like a few years back. Yeah, then. It's yeah. like Mario, but with time travel. Yeah. Wild game. And I'm the, all into that. Yeah. If you ever get a chance, I, re I recommend that one above all of them. Because Definitely. a lot of these platforms are inspired by that one. Yeah. Um, What's it called again? Braid. Braid. Yeah. Like oh. hair braid. Um, nice. Yeah, really yeah. good, man. I'll check it out. Yeah. So speaking about your sound, like <laughs> this is a bit of a, a segue. Your sound <laughs> has always, I didn't get a chance to really order the questions, but your sound has always felt like it walks the tightrope between soft, glistering light and dark tones. And that's kind of like something that is often said in reviews and yeah. interviews, especially after like Gold, Make Money and the LPLX. I don't know how you say yeah, yeah. that, but Persona. Mm -hmm. Do you perceive your music, this is a really deep question, sorry. Yeah. Do you perceive your music as having a distinct duality to it? Or do you feel that those aspects are all part of your singular multifaceted sound? Mm. 
I think yeah, it's interesting. I think for me, it's 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 oh yeah, that's a, that's a tricky one. Mm. I think for me, it's it's all about using everything that I can and trying to make it work in a sort of coherent way. I've always had a fascination of getting a sound of whatever it could be like, you know, hitting a desk or something like that and turning it into something else. I'm yeah. always intrigued by this sort of idea of like morphing things from one thing to the next. And I guess that's always uh, been in my sort of style of music. I sort of created my own sort of sound from that. And the mixture of, you know, like you say, light and dark sort of stuff, uh, material, especially, you know, on the on the most recent album as well, I've tried to sort of mix really high quality glistening sort of sounds with really harsh, distorted, tape driven stuff as well. Yeah. And I love that sort of juxtaposition between the two. I get bored if I listen to something that's, you know, too purely well produced. And then likewise, if it's just too lo-fi, you know, so I find that for my self and my creativity and what I buzz off of is usually just down to that like that mix of taking things that shouldn't really work and trying to make them work yeah I guess cool so it feels like since those releases I mentioned you've kind of moved towards that darker direction or you've pursued and mm -hmm. explored it further mm -hmm. would you agree with that and if so what inspired you to move towards it yeah definitely uh definitely most recent albums definitely more darker in the mood and tone of the record and like what I try to achieve like harmonically and uh sound wise as well with the record. Yeah. Just purely because my influences have changed and I've grown up since my old records as well. The music scene has changed so much since when I started as well. Mm. And, you know, fads come and go. Uh especially I've noticed a lot when I play out live, certain things work and certain things don't. And a lot of playing live sort of it kind of uh, changes the way you think about music and what it could actually be as a different thing apart from just someone sitting there with a pair of headphones on. Yeah. So it becomes more about like a device for something. And recently, you know, I've been commissioned to do uh, a couple of performance art pieces and stuff and really doing that as a commission and, and seeing people and how they react to the music in that sort of setting kind of made me think more about music in a sort of divisive way instead of just being like oh that sounds nice you know yeah and more like uh emotive and uh forward thinking sort of sound i guess cool man because uh one of the last performance art pieces you worked on was called depart yeah wasn't it yeah right uh, i think it just wrapped up its second um I don't know what you call that production or yeah because second it's gone tour. around elsewhere like yeah they did a, yeah they did a tour um yeah. yeah i think it was blackpool and a couple of other places up north as well yeah, yeah. and that had a big influence on the new record didn't it so yeah can you tell me about the connection between the two and yeah definitely i mean um when i was working on it i, I was uh just coming off the last record lustmore and i was kind of in a you know, you release a second album and it's kind of like, well, what do you do now? Because the third album for me really is sort of a statement now. You know, I'm out of that loop of like, you know, trying to catch up with the first album and like trying to make it as good or, or better. Yeah. Now I'm kind of more free and able to do what I wanted to do, but I didn't really know what direction I wanted to take it. And getting involved with uh, Lyft and doing this uh, piece called Depart really just made me think about you know, performance art and making it more about art for art's sake rather than just being like, you know, sitting there making nice sounding stuff. Yeah. I wanted to kind of get that sort of grit and, um, uh, just, you know, ideas from other, other sources basically. And that, yeah, that was really a great thing to get involved with. You know, the whole thing was based around life and death. It's all based in a cemetery and it was like a walkthrough experience. And a lot of the music that I worked on for that show, I sort of manipulated and changed and worked on further. And then it sort of turned into Ruinism, which is the newest record. Okay. Yeah. Um, is there anywhere that we'll be able to hear the Depart soundtrack? Because I must have looked it up the other day and been like, yeah, maybe there's a chance you can see it. And it's like, no, just wrapped up. Yeah, yeah. The second so, part. yeah, some people have been asking about it and I've been thinking about putting, putting it out. 
um, somehow. I don't know how to really do it at the moment. Yeah. Sort of self-release it or put it through Brain Feeder maybe. But yeah, it, yeah, it could it could come out. A lot of people have been asking that sort of same question. So yeah, it could be good. Yeah, yeah. it'd be it'd be cool to hear um, the roots. Yeah. Of some aspects of the record. As yeah. Well. No. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. 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 Yeah, there's definitely some interesting parts in there that you could probably make out in the record and be like, oh, yeah, that came from there or, yeah. you know, vice versa. So um, was it quite challenging scoring such a piece? It feels like it would fit you very well. Yeah, yeah, it was. Initially, I was like, oh, what have I got myself into? You yeah. know, I've done it before with a with the same company, but on a different uh, performance piece um, a couple of years before that. And... Yeah, it was very daunting going in there and being like, wow, you know, this is actually, I've taken on a lot of work, you know. Yeah. Some of the music lasted, uh, the finale especially, you know, that's 20, 25, 30 minute piece of music. Yeah. Going through different variations of stuff. And, you know, you approach that as in like, okay, you're just staring at Ableton. <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> what, you know, what the hell do I do here? Yeah. And, you know, and I was, I had a lot of free creative reign as well after talking to Yaron, the uh, director, very closely for, you know, months basically and working with the performers as well and seeing them in practice and all the rest of it. And, you know, I was given briefs for, certain points in the experience so you know it's a guided walk through things so yeah walk there's through the cemetery. yeah and you know you st people stop in one place and then you see a circus performer you know it could be hanging from a tree or you know doing some crazy stuff and then that music has to suit that mood yeah and you know you walk to the next bit but all these all these pieces of music last you know 15 minutes here you know the whole thing is like a it's crazy you know if you actually think about how much work that was put into it but yeah it, it was great you know i had a lot of cues from the director and a lot of ideas that i put forward that eventually worked them way in there as well so it was really really good experience awesome man yeah um but you have some experience with making longer pieces don't you because back in 2014 you released mm. movement one two and three yeah which was kind of a, an audio journey as well in itself so yeah. what's the story behind that Okay, that, yeah, because I love it. Yeah, thanks. It's amazing. Man. Yeah, I, it's, it was such a unique and like, sorry to cut you, but yeah, it was such a unique and such a a random drop. I don't think you announced it or yeah, it's it was just like a random. Sort of here's another out. thing I've, yeah, I've yeah. done. Here's one I made earlier. Yeah, yeah, I've been working. With, yeah, yeah, that's a weird one. I'm I'm fully into that idea of uh, making really, you know, long pieces of music. Yeah, around that sort of time as well, I was listening to a lot of Steve Reich and all that sort of stuff and. You know, music for 18 musicians and William Bozinski and stuff like that, which, yeah. you know, huge hour-long pieces. And I, yeah, you know, I was working, I think I ended up, it initially started just working on like two tracks separately. And they were both sort of in the same sound world. And I just really wanted to join them together and it just came out like that, basically. It was yeah. just a, I really like doing that. I do that a lot anyway. Um you know, tracks that don't really see the light of day. If I work on something, I kind of try and blend one thing that I'm working on into the other thing and then add another part and stuff like that. But you can't always get away with making a record full of 15-minute songs. You know? Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah, I love that process. Awesome. So scoring a movie has been on your bucket list for quite some time, hasn't it? Yeah. Do you feel like all of this uh, performance art that you're starting to score is one step closer? And yeah. Can do we have? Do you have any plans? Yeah, plans to to do it. Yeah, no, I definitely do. I think with that sort of business, it's, it's more about who you know and how you get there. And yeah, you know, it takes a lot of trust for a director to turn around and be like, right, do you want to create an original score for this? And you know, I've got friends in you know film and uh, TV and stuff like that, and we've always talked sometimes about you know, maybe doing something and stuff. It is a bit of a pipe dream. Yeah. It, it, you know, again, it is a lot of work, you know, a lot of devotion, a lot of time. But, yeah, no, I'd love to do it. I think it's more about trying to get them connections. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So the intro of Ruinism, mm -hmm. but actually, no, first of all, why don't you tell me about the, the concept of Ruinism? Okay, yeah. Um, and how that came together. Yeah, so uh, over the years, since Lusmore, you know, two nearly three years ago well no two years ago now yeah but around that sort of time i was started buying hardware 
uh, a lot more sort of stuff, you know, like keyboards, drum machines, stuff like that. And I got really into looking away from the computer and recording just jams and bits and pieces and, you know, outboard effects and gear like that. Yeah. And I really just wanted to start afresh and have, uh, you know, messing around on keyboards and stuff like that and recording it all together and then degrading it and putting it through various effects and piecing things together uh, in a kind of, you know, rebuilding something that's already ruined kind of way. And a lot of inspiration was taken from, you know, uh, brutalism, or not brutalism, but brutalist like architecture and stuff like that. Yeah. And that movement of, you know, industry and certain uh, things in that, in that sort of realm as well. I was looking at a lot of art as well in galleries and museums and all that business as well. So, yeah, yeah. I guess that's where it all came from as a Vegas answer ever. But No, no, it's, it, it suits the, the sound of the music as yeah. well because, I mean, there's so many influences coming through and yeah. so many transformations from nothingness to something and vice versa, you know. Yeah, so yeah. That makes a lot of sense. But speaking about uh, some of the artwork you were looking at, the intro track, uh, Reverence, was inspired by a 1915 painting of the same name by French Dada. Is that how you say the genre? Yeah, I've always always questioned how I pronounce it. It's like <laughs> okay. Dada. Or yeah, I reckon it's Dada. <laughs> That's not much of Barba. I don't know why. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think they're related. Um, yeah. Francis Picabia. Yeah. So how did that come together? And can you talk about the link between the inspiration and the track? Yeah. It's quite a unique piece, isn't it? It's cute, yeah. isn't it? Uh, yeah, like it's it's yeah, it's like a he Picabo himself had a really wild career of just doing so much stuff, mm. um, from surrealist Dadaism and all the rest of it. Um, but I don't know why, but that image for me, if you actually see it online or you know go to the gallery and actually see it, yeah, you know, it, for me it looks like a satellite or some sort of industrialized thing that is made and sent to space or this this kind of I, I don't know for me that's what stuck in my mind about that image yeah and i had it and i printed it out because uh, i just took a photo of it when i was in the gallery i think it's in oh, i can't remember what gallery it is now but um i just printed it out and i was literally from left to right yeah looking at the image as a piece of music almost so i'd take a sound that, like, because on the left it starts with this sort of great panel. Yeah. Um, which looks, yeah, yeah, it looks like a sort of radiator kind of. <laughs> yeah, very much yeah. So, actually, yeah. Or like a, you know, like a satellite would have like sun, um, uh, you know, yeah. sun panels or yeah, solar yeah. panels. Anyway, yeah, so I I basically yeah just thought about it in a musical sense, thought about that image in, in a musical sense, and the, the sort of iciness of the first track. There's a lot of atmospheric iciness, mm. and this sort of idea of uh, uh, an orbiting planet, uh, an, uh, something orbiting around a planet, mm. and that's just what stuck in my mind through that image. And and then I added some strings that I recorded uh, in my friend's studio, and. Yeah, I mean, it's a very simple opening track and it's, you know, it's just an arpeggiated poly six mm. just going round and changing and shifting. But, um, yeah, yeah, that's sort of how that came about, yeah. Yeah, I didn't pick this up before, but would you almost say that the, the arpeggiated synth in going around in rotation and going up and down through waves is similar to the rotation of the planets or whatever you see yeah, in yeah. piece or something? Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. yeah, a lot of the atmosphere and the actual arpeggiated sequence is... Yeah, this kind of idea of orbiting something or yeah. some sort of planetary, out of planetary sort of galaxy questing sound. Amazing. <laughs> um, it's nice to get a glimpse into that aspect of your work because that's something that you've done from the beginning. Yeah. If I'm correct, like for example, you had the, the photos of you and was it your sister, like 650 of them on Nostalgic? The yeah, cover. yeah, right. Yeah, um, yeah, that's funny. So, what's that? <laughs> no, I was just saying, yeah, it's funny. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, was, I had a question tied to that. Sorry, I've got like so many here. Hold yeah, yeah, go for it. So yeah, with your earlier material field recordings uh, and pictures of things that inspire you, I'm going to pause that for a second and just say, like, 
one of the things that I love about your music so much is just the fact that no four bar loop is the same, even mm -hmm. if all the instruments are the same because mm -hmm. of the sounds that you introduce. And anytime people send me their music and I'm like, well, you know, like something this could use is just like air and mm -hmm. any kind of sound around you. And that, that influence, I always point them to your music because nice yours is like the, the standard. Mm. Uh, for that kind of thing so that's yeah. one of my favorite aspects of it thanks man but that whole uh taking field recordings and pictures of things that inspire you and i don't know i guess like releasing your creativity through means beyond music has always been an essential part of your creative process so you mentioned one time before with reverence mm -hmm. but apart from that was that still the case with ruinism or have you moved away from that kind of aspect or yeah i mean yeah with with the more recent stuff there has still been a lot of you know, exterior recording of, of certain sounds and stuff, you know, in some of the tracks, you just barely even, you, you can barely even hear it, but yeah, there's still a lot of um, atmospheric kind of stuff going on under the scenes, just to break it away from, like you say, the, cons like if you, if a loop is just going over and over and over, you need something else to stimulate your brain still yeah you know even when working on music after a certain while you you yourself get bored of hearing the same thing over and over again and your brain actually physic well physically or you know in a certain sense yeah. actually does get bored of the sound so you can't hear it anymore but you know i find if i add texture or something that's just a little bit off and it offsets something that's going on if if it even if it's just a little bit off in like key or something, you know, if you shift it just a few semitones or even sense, you know, um, it becomes a different thing and you, it becomes a different experience and it, mm. it create, like pricks up your ears a bit more and it's less monotonous, even though it might be a really simple idea. Yeah. That's really cool, by the way. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so one thing I noticed, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, about Ruinism is that it feels like the use of vocals as an instrument layered within each track mm -hmm. um, has been a bigger focus than past ones when, it, for example, you'd have Andrea Chiana mm -hmm. singing on top of your instrumental mm -hmm. as distinct parts that come together. Yeah. Um, do you feel like that's been a bigger focus with that album? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. With the, with the new one, it's... Um you know some of the some of the actual vocals that were recorded are actually illegible you know so yeah. are literally just for texture i think you know for me hearing music especially a lot of instrumental music i always feel like i need or want to hear something tangible like a a voice or an instrument that's real mm. because a lot of music can sound almost like plasticky or unreal yeah to a point where it's it could just be generative music unnatural in some way made. yeah yeah um and i love doing that you know a lot of stuff even i'm writing new music even now and it's you know i'm using a lot more sort of uh vocal sounds like breaths and just oohs and ahs yeah R real recorded oohs and ahs just to break it up and if you use it in the right way and you use it sparingly and as a texture and as an instrument, I find it really just lifts the whole thing off the ground rather than it just being sort of, in my mind, a bit more of a static sort of computer sounding sort yeah. of track. I wonder if that's because of our humanity uh, yeah. and our need to have something tangible to connect to rather than something like, I guess the rest of the, the sounds are man-made in some way. Yeah. So it still adds that natural element. Yeah. Which is really interesting to think about. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I love sounds where... You know it's forever changing and all the rest of it yeah but you know it's great to have a sound that's really harsh or really intensely digital sounding almost yeah and then all of a sudden cut to you know some orchestral choir singing you know that that sort of play with sound is you know fascinating to me yeah i find that fascinating and me as a listener and yeah countless others that i know at least yeah yeah <laughs> Cool, yeah. Um, so speaking of vocalists, you worked with a handful of new collaborators on this project. Mm -hmm. At least I think they're new. Tell yeah. me about the singers on the album and what made you reach out to them? Um, yeah, so... Well, I'm trying to remember them all now. Um, You've got JF... Yeah, JFDR. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she's a friend of mine from Iceland. Um, and, yeah, I linked up with her, I think, through my manager. Um, he suggested 
about her and I was just blown away by her tracks that she has out at the moment. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we, we got together, talked about what we wanted to do and she was really feeling the tracks that I sent her, just rough demo sort of stuff. Um, and then there's Talvi, which is Talvi Falsman from Prince Innocence, the band in Canada, I think they're based. Okay. Um, I've been a fan of them for ages and her voice really worked on uh, the track Forever. Like just, I just really wanted her voice on it. That's my favourite song off the album, actually. Thanks, man. Yeah. Appreciate it. And, um, yeah, and uh, Camilla, uh, Camilla Lobo, um, uh, she's got a really kind of a sort of textural, like we were saying earlier, sort of yeah. textural uh, vocal on uh, some of the tracks. And Gabby as well, um, hooked up with her in New York and we got chatting about doing something. And she's got this really amazing sort of orchestral uh, voice and I just really wanted to, you know, I was I was living in Brixton at the time and I got around and just set up to, uh, I, had a, I had a spare room, I was staying at a mate's place mm. uh, before he sold it. Um, and I had these like spare uh, mattresses and I just made a little, you know, vocal booth or whatever. Yeah, and got her to sing, and she, you know, it just blew me away. Her voice is so powerful and um, amazing. And then, yeah, sampled it, resampled it, shifted it around, and everything. It just became. Uh, I think it was Data Demon that sampled her, vo her vocals the most on, and, okay. and throughout the album as well. Just got yeah. it around. And uh, Louisa. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I've yeah I've been a fan likewise with her uh, for for ages. Yeah. I'm How do you say it, by the way? Is it? I just say it, Louisa. Okay, <laughs> I'm glad I got it right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I thought I thought her voice was amazing. I hear a lot of. Uh, I, I saw her on Boiler Room actually, and uh, after that, she was playing her tracks, and I was listening to Maelstrom at the same time on uh, I think it's Bromance Records, and yeah, I was just like, yeah, I really, I just love her voice. Yeah. And I asked if she wanted to do something, something sort of spoken word or poetic over certain things. And we tried a bunch of stuff and, and then, uh, yeah, the track Rotted Art came out of that. Yeah. yeah the, um, the lyrics are really interesting. Did yeah. you have a lot of input on those or did you just send off the tracks and just sent off the track? And yeah. I was, you know, I, I always have a little disclaimer just saying like, you know, what the sort of mood is mm. of the thing and I don't want it to be like a love story or you know something like that yeah it has to be a bit deeper and a bit more challenging yeah so, well they all really came through yeah yeah no they really yeah. did yeah I was really happy to work with them so were they aware of like the whole life and death and how you're creating like the album were they aware of that when they yeah. did the vocals or okay uh yeah a lot of it was sort of back and forth either in a studio in my studio or um or just over emails and stuff yeah, and it, yeah, like I say, I'd, I'd just do like a brief outline of what I kind of wanted, but I'm, I'm, you know, I never put myself forward as a prime uh, lyricist, so I never really have too much input on that. Yeah. Um, do you have a favourite track from the project? Uh, yeah, I kind of do. It's a toss-up for me between Data Demon and. Maybe Tessellate as well, just okay. because it's Tessellate is like the last song on the record, and it's just got that really weird breakdown in the middle. And whenever I play it live, it's just really thudding, like kind of almost techno-y sound, kind of sounding like crunchy, crunchy sort of techno-y sound. I just really like that. I think probably because I just like playing it live. Yeah, you touched on that a little bit in uh, Essex's Burning as well with the mm. arpeggiated arp, mm -hmm. like the techno sounds with the jazz chords, which is a really uh, interesting blend. What was the concept with that track? Like, Essex is burning. Yeah. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, it's just Essex because that's where I'm from originally. And, yeah. and, you know, there's that, you know, London is burning whole thing. And, I, yeah, it's just a little play around with that it's a very like fun track to, to make that for me it was like the funnest track on the album yeah especially with like the 303 uh clone that i used on it it's just like bubbling over this kind of housey techno-y kind of beat yeah and it's kind of you know it's sort of like astral-y kind of sounding as well oh definitely yeah and with the vocals as well it sort of set it off really nicely and just 
repetitive sort of melody of it. It's nice. Yeah. So Mario Tepper. Yeah. Am I, am I saying that right? Uh, yeah, Mario Tepper. Yeah. Okay, so she is the creative director of the album. And she also worked on the artwork for Lustmore and Cuts Volume 1. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah. Did you meet her during your time in Prague? And how did you begin working together? Yeah, so uh, we used to go out, actually. <laughs> so she's there. Yeah. Is this so. okay? Like, is this okay for the... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think okay. so, yeah. So, um, yeah, ex, ex-girlfriend of mine. And uh, we work very closely. Uh, we still work together. We're still really... Clearly. Good. Yeah, yeah. So there's no no bad blood or anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. But... Um, yeah, so that's how that came about, really. And she's, you know, she's really talented in what she does. She does a lot of video direction and all sorts of stuff, you know, yeah. artwork, photography, all across the board, really. A uh, very talented individual. Yeah, so I don't know if this, this is too deep, but how did you guys begin meeting each other? I don't think you touched on that bit. That might be a bit of a personal story. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you don't have to answer Yeah, this. I don't know about okay. that. Okay, yeah, all right, yeah. cool. <laughs> On the record. Um, yeah, so the album artwork is quite striking. How did it come together and how does it tie into the title? Um, it actually it started off in a, in a very sort of different place. Me and Marielle were going back and forth about like ideas for what the record should look like and stuff. And uh, Marielle put forward this idea of, um, oh, I forget, the, it's called Shibari. Uh, and it's, bond, it's like a Shibari bondage. Um, it's is not it, like it's a, a Japanese thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought so from the, the the picture. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's it's based on that idea. It's not it's not like a sexual thing. It's more like an art form, right? Um, and so the actual woman was suspended and in this rope. So it is a photo. Yeah, that that part of it actually is a photo. Yeah, and the rest of it is obviously graphic design. Yeah, that. yeah. What what's in her lap? It's a set of flowers. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't tell. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, and yeah, and all the you know the font as well. Um, I helped out on uh, the font and the sort of graphic designy sort of part of it as well. Um, and it's about you know making it look kind of brutal as well to sort of fit the album. It's yeah. very like it's almost yeah. It's very hard to put my finger on like what it actually what i see it as i see it as a sort of structural thing like mm. she's hanging from a structure and the way that it's laid out it feels to me like it's like a building or like some sort of brutalist architectural kind of thing which i kind of think sits with the album really well as well yeah yeah because a lot of the old album record covers have a lot of like grain and grit and it's very almost like organic looking and stuff um but with this new one, it's very like hard cutting, hard edge kind of kind of vibe, which I like. You know, yeah. I like, like sort of switching it up. Yeah, it matches the music really yeah. well. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, so given that Lustmore explored hypnagogia, hypnagogia hip- is that hardy or uh, it's it's one of these things? Right, again. I, I say I say hypnagogia. <laughs> okay, goja. But, uh, but a lot of people say it differently. All right, hypnagogia, the suspension of consciousness between wakefulness and sleep, mm-hmm. and Runism explores the space between life and death. Mm-hmm. Do you see a strong connection between the two releases? Is it almost like this is the progression of you and Lustmore? Mm. Or is this just like another exploration? Yeah, I think this is more more like a separate thing. Yeah, and more of like a it's not really a continuation as such. Definitely not in sound. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of it was because I really wanted to switch it up, and as much as I love doing the older stuff, and you kind of get known for doing a certain thing, mm. I really just wanted to switch it up and make something completely new and still retain a certain sound but explore deeper into what is actually sonically possible yeah and i really tried to push it really hard as well you know there's a lot of tracks on there that some people might actually find hard to listen to especially the first uh half of the album but there is a midway point and it's kind of you know more yeah light and dark almost uh, definitely midway but um yeah yeah it's definitely its own sort of thing yeah, so you did some exploration with your sound um, under the LPLX mm-hmm. name as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that started with, oh, what was it? Lonesome Tonight? Yeah. That was yeah. the first one. I think so, yeah. I think either that or like... 2013, uh, I think? 
Yeah, or like yeah. an old Young Thug remix or something. Yeah, that, like. that was the that that was definitely the um, around that time as well. Danny Glover, wasn't it? Yeah, I, yeah. I hear that in so many sets. Like I still love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, what inspired that? And can we expect more? Well, there's a couple of questions there. What inspired that? Did that influence Ruinism? And can we expect a cut volume two? Uh, yeah. Okay. So I don't know. I mean, for me, the LPLX stuff is is sort of just a it's like a quick and dirty kind of vibe. Mm. You know, I just sort of if I'm messing around with something, it's it's usually just a, a case of I'm just putting it out because I'm not really thinking about it too much. I'm not, you know, it's not like I'm sitting there for months on end working on one track with the LPLX stuff. It's yeah. kind of like if I'm messing around with something and something sort of sounds cool or whatever, I'll just whack it out there and, and do that. Um, but yeah, I'm also, you know, there's another sort of side project that I work on as well. Um, it's a bit more sort of, experimental housey sort of stuff called silk with a q on the end um <laughs> goes to google <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah yeah it's all sort of you know it's, it's all the sort of stuff that i can just put up on soundcloud and not really think about too much really yeah because with 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 lapalux and doing that it's kind of like people expect a certain quality of stuff and it's yeah. nice to have a little alias to sort of put stuff out that's maybe a little bit half-baked or a little bit less you know what i stand for in the lapalux side of things yeah but um as far as the project goes and the other the other two songs i learned some tonight in the danny glover remix mm -hmm. um it's really diverse actually yeah so you have a lot of um i don't even know how you describe some of the songs because there's a lot of like guitar led yeah type of things but you also have like uh, the footwork the housey mm. stuff as well yeah um yeah can we expect more of that uh yeah i guess yeah i mean a lot of uh when i'm playing live i usually sort of improvise and do stuff with the drum machine that i have and some samplers and that and i kind of have been thinking about recording some bits like that just sort of more dance floor oriented sort of stuff yeah and it would be pretty fun to put some, some more stuff out like that yeah so was there also a need like was it from your club experience um because a lot of producers a lot of producers have this actually where they realize okay my music works in the club but i could be doing this better and like mm -hmm. have this to like really get it to this point or maybe mm -hmm. like i have a chill side to me but maybe i want to do some more tempo stuff that works in the club was cuts partly because of that definitely and did that feed back into ruinism do you think uh yeah yes and no yeah mm. i think uh yeah especially with cuts it was like uh you know it's just that functional music it was just literally you could play it in a club and it would just pop off you know yeah and yeah with ruinism it there is parts of that like as i mentioned before like going to clubs a lot and playing different venues and stuff you know kind of what works and what doesn't work mm. and with that you kind of you uh, for me i wanted to work on more like danceable danceable that's not even a word but like danceable stuff yeah yeah you know so yeah for me I, there was yeah there was a bit of uh inspiration from from the lplx stuff but yeah yeah i think there's more to do with just that live setting and sort of pushing music further into sort of a darker more sort of techno-y kind of Mm. vibe have you always been into techno no okay no, yeah i used to absolutely not really vibe with it at all yeah it's only in recent years um that i've actually just thought about it in a completely different way i don't know what really changed i think i grew up a bit more and i kind of i don't know whenever i go out now i kind of look for that techno sort of stuff and it's just yeah I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't, of, of course, I wouldn't class myself as a techno artist or anything, but there is definite like, inspiration that I've taken from that genre of music and tried to do it in a weird way, an experimental way. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah, just, you know, on some of the tracks, it's just really like hard hitting drums. It almost sounds like industrial, you know, like a, like a factory or, you know, certain things like that. Yeah. And it's due to the hardware that I've been using as well. A lot of them sounds I find that you can't really get out of software. Yeah. And I'm not like an analog purist or anything, but 
you know specifically the drum machine that i use is just you know the sounds that comes out there just the raw sounds are just phenomenal to use and that's like just splattered all over the album really. yeah so yeah definitely um i have coconut water oh nice. if you do want some yes i would love one yeah Nice. Uh, <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got the meal deal because um, it's it's gonna be my dinner tonight as well. Oh, um, mate, have it if it's no, yours. no, no. I've got water. So Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, it works out well. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah, because I I don't actually know what kind of music did you grow up on as a, a kid and what kind of stuff was really mm. big to you. Um, I think main thing was just I used to go to the library a lot uh, when I was a kid with my dad he used to take me because uh, he would just hire music from you know when cds were out i mean i'm not even that old but yeah <laughs> you're making yourself sound <laughs> yeah. like a relic right now yeah but i just yeah i remember that for some reason that sticks in my mind and just going into different sections of uh the library because you could just hire like 10 cds for like five quid or something those were the days <laughs> yeah and you, you know i used to go home and burn them. I mean, I shouldn't even be saying this, but like basically burn them to the computer. Yeah. And then keep them and then send them back. And I used to do that a lot. So I get, I've got a very like varied taste of all different world music and different styles and genres. A lot of the stuff I grew up on was pretty, you know, if you're talking like way back in the day, it was weak, you know, a lot of weak stuff, but... Um, how, how do you mean weak? Just, you know, standard, yeah. you know, I'm from Essex originally, so, you know, there wasn't really much of a scene or anything, so a lot of it was just word of mouth. And, yeah. You know, when I was a teenager, there was a lot of, there was a lot of, can I swear? Yeah. There was a lot of, like, shit music. <laughs> when, <laughs> this is all digital, going, mate. We, yeah. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there was a lot of um, shitty music. So do you have any like guilty pleasures from that era? Like, oh mate, I wouldn't even want to tell you. Okay, okay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, did you find that the response to going back to Lustmore and the um, nostalgic? Did you find the response to Lustmore was quite different to the first album? Yeah. And do you expect it to be different to Ruinism? Yeah, you can never really tell. I mean, a lot of a lot of people liked Lustmore, and a lot of people felt it was, you know, a little bit indifferent. Maybe. I mean, it sold well and everything, but. Mm. You know, you can never please everyone. And I I always had a phobia of releasing a second album because you get known for one thing if you release yeah. an album. Yeah, the sophomore effect is real for both artists and musicians yeah. and producers, right? Yeah, totally. And uh, now I think I'm out of that. And now I've, you know, I never really read reviews or anything anyway. Mm. But, you know, most of them have been favourable and I've never really been upset by what anyone's ever really said about uh, any of my stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I hope I hope people enjoy ruinism. Yeah, yeah. And that's you know, that's what I've been putting my time in for the last two years. <laughs> if someone turns around and says they hate it, then fine. But, yeah. You know, it is what it is. That's one person, but there's always gonna be criticism, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um I think I like how much you're challenging is with like the cut series and all the other stuff as well. Yeah. Um yeah. Cause it, it does all very much still feel like Lapa Lux, but mm -hmm. it's just interesting to see how you progress and how our ears follow that journey with you yeah so yeah i mean i, I love all your work but Thanks, i'm not trying to stand right now so <laughs> <laughs> yeah um around the time last month was releasing you mentioned about wanting to use strings more and mm -hmm. taking the follow-up to it down a more orchestral route yeah do you feel like you've done that with ruinism and if not what point at what point did the album begin to deviate um because yeah. it does have strings in there yeah yeah there's, a, there's quite a lot of actual real instrumentation in there mm. um there's uh my friend Mike uh, played a lot of uh, bass clarinet. And did he do a sax on some track? Yeah, he did. More? Yeah, or? he did uh, the sax on Puzzle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he's a he's a great musician, and uh, he helped me record uh, strings as well uh, for the record, and uh, Rhodes piano as well. Yeah, and there's some other stuff in there as well. I play guitar. Um, so there's bits of guitar and stuff in there as well, and uh, yeah, some other some other bits and pieces in there scattered around. Yeah, have you been playing like all of these instruments for most of your life, or is uh, the strings singing like Mike? Help me! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> strings is like I mean, actually, I did play violin for a little while when I was mm. little, but um, never really 
never really stuck with me. I mean, yeah. If I picked up a violin now, I wouldn't really know what to do. But guitar, I can play reasonably well, mm. I guess. And uh, that's been my main instrument, I guess. Really? Yeah. And then just teaching myself keys, really, and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm a bit, bit more... I'm a bit more into like harmony and stuff now. I mean, I've always been interested in it, but I've I've learned quite a lot over the years and what works and certain keyboard patterns that I use and you know scales and all the rest of it. So awesome, yeah. So you initially had an album launch party planned here in London, mm. but ended up pushing it back to coincide with your tour later this year. What yep. happened? Oh man. It was just a case of really like timing. So with the artwork for the record um, and everything, all the assets getting ready for the record, the actual Ruinism was supposed to be released towards like March sort of time. Oh, really? Yeah. And then we had to push it back because of different various things going wrong. <laughs> Your life. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, various things. So it became, we initially really wanted to do it as launch parties. Um, there was like three that we, we were trying to do. And then we just decided that it's way better to just wait till the actual record's out. Yeah. And then people actually know what they're coming to see. Um, and, you know, there's lots of things with a live show that I wanted to try and do differently as well. And there's visuals and things to take into account as well. And we really wanted to, uh, like, I really wanted to change um, certain aspects of that. And we just really didn't have time to do it a lot. So we kind of, yeah, just postponed it till later in the year. Yeah. Just thought it was a better thing to do. So speaking of the live show, can you talk about what's changed yeah for the new yeah album so at the moment i'm still actually well i mean i'm still playing here and there but i'm trying to put together uh a lot more sort of instrumentation on on uh, on stage mm. i recently got into like modular stuff as well i'm just like signing my life away <laughs> <laughs> but like um yeah it's just a lot more sort of actual freedom to do stuff uh Traveling is hard, especially when you do it by yourself, to try and fit everything into like hand luggage and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but now I'm just like, okay, well, we've got to go in because, I, you know, not to put anyone else in the music game down, but if I go to see someone and they're literally just staring at their computer, it kind of defeats the purpose for me. Yeah. You know, I come from that background, definitely. You know, I've been there back in the past very minimal setup and you can do a lot you know you can do a lot with ableton and all the rest of it but after a while you yourself get bored of it and you need to find other things to do on stage where it yeah. adds to the experience yeah yeah and you know the way i have fun nowadays is to just improvise more and go off on tangents and just see what happens you know sometimes it fails but that's kind of all part of the process really. yeah it's part of the journey isn't it yeah and so yeah like recently the live setups kind of changed um, I've got like a couple of keyboard, uh, little like MIDI keyboard things. Um, like I still use a push to like tree eclipse and stuff. Uh, but I've got like a drum machine, uh, the analog rhythm. Um, and I'm hoping to actually bring some modular stuff as well with me next time as well, especially for the later, later in the year shows as well. Awesome. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, man. Should yeah, be we could see like your show and how it's progressed after like four and a half years. Yeah. And there's, that, I mean, that was the last time I saw you, right? So. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's uh, there's some live visuals that we're working on at the moment that should be really cool as well. Awesome. Yeah, man. So some of the clothing for your press photos is pretty wild, uh, featuring a serious amount of squares or circles. What, yeah. What's that? What's that about? Is it, they, the pieces look amazing, but yeah, talk to me about them. Uh, <laughs> Where can I get them, <laughs> <laughs> mate? I wish I could actually keep all them clothes. They're, they're amazing. Um, they're actually a lot of them are off uh, the catwalk. Actually, really? Yeah. So uh, my friend Jessie styled the whole thing. She's got a really good uh, good amount of contacts, and we managed to hire a lot of uh, pieces from really good designers. Really nice stuff. Yeah, um, and she had a you know she had a brief from me and um, Marielle, the um, art director, and yeah, we came up with some. We came up with about like eight or nine different looks. And it's, yeah, it's really interesting actually. And uh, the photographer uh, Osge, um, she's a great photographer as well. So yeah, it worked out really well, man. 
But yeah, I lo- uh, yeah, I love all that <laughs> shit. Man. It looks so sick. Yeah, like I couldn't wear that out anywhere. No, I know. <laughs> I would love to get away with it. <laughs> Maybe a wedding. Yeah, <laughs> be the yeah. extravagant guy in the corner. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so diving off of uh, ruinism, four years back, Prefuse seventy three. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of your biggest inspirations and one of my favourite uh, producers yeah. and that's the collaboration series on his Yellow Year Records label mm-hmm. he had you No Such Thing and Teebs and others mentioned what happened to the work? What happened to like because like you were supposed to be like releasing yeah, some yeah. Sort of collaboration with him I don't I don't know sort of communication sort of broke down whenever I try and sign up for things sometimes it just doesn't work out yeah there's a lot of different things going on in different people's lives at the same time and it's very hard to make everything work especially when you don't know what the outcome is going to be like yeah yeah and you know at the, at the time i think i was working on my own stuff and when i'm when i'm literally just in the studio every day working on my own stuff it's really hard to actually just do anything yeah it's so insular isn't it yeah as a process yeah and you kind of step out of it on the weekend you're like wow shit i didn't didn't even leave the house for a whole week but yeah i don't know i get very fixated on I mean, it sounds a bit selfish, but myself a lot. Yeah. Trying to do my own thing quite a lot, and it's sort of everything else becomes a bit of a blur. Or yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's important as well, though, yeah. because that's that's your work processes. And if you were to sacrifice that aspect of you to yeah. contribute to something else, where you know there's no, you don't know what it's going to be, and yeah. it's, it's all a bit flaky. Yeah, that might affect your output, and then represent something that isn't necessarily inherently you a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, go on. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, because you and uh, I always get the name wrong. Is it Sajerdin? S- S- okay, so it's all silent up to the the yeah, J. Yeah. Jardine, um Suppose you had an EP in the works at one point. Yeah, yeah. So we were actually working on a bunch of stuff. She actually put um, an EP out. Uh, I think it was last year. Yeah, yeah. And there was a couple of tracks that we we did together. But we yeah we have some unreleased stuff that's still sitting around. Okay. Um, yeah, I think it's like five or six tracks that we did, and she used like two, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's always, you know, if you're working with someone else, it's always their choice over what they want to use and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I do, you know, I love working with other people. Um, but yeah, sometimes it can be a bit of a struggle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> naturally. I mean, that's just how it goes. Yeah. Uh, so what do you think is the biggest misconception that people have about you or your music? Mate, every single time it's all like, oh, it's always like I'm the down tempo guy. <laughs> like I'm, the, I'm the guy that's just known for like just doing, um, you know, down tempo, like chill out, 4 a.m. kind of in the morning music. Yeah. But, you know, I kind of want to change that. And, you know, I don't want to be known for just doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah, and I think you have, like, with cuts. I mean, as soon as it starts, it's, uh, what's it? Make It Clap is the first track, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I forget the name of it now. Um, it's, it's that. Uh... It is. Oh, oh, where is it? Yeah, I think it's just Dem Bands. Throw Dem Bands, that's it. Yeah, Throw Dem Bands. I love that song so much. Um, Thanks, like that song, and then you have like Fuck You and yeah, all of yeah. that. Like you have like the horror sample on the. Um, yeah. What's the, the other one? The Goblin. Goblin, that's it. Yeah, I love yeah. that song as well. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think if if anyone like truly knows your discography beyond the, the major releases yeah. and the initial EPs, like they, they perhaps know that like. There's more to you than that. But yeah, 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 I mean, I would love to hear more of that side as well. Cause yeah, yeah. No, those definitely. are some great tracks there, man. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Um, so if you had to choose one song that defines Lapa Lux, whether that's inside or outside of your own discography, mm. what would it be? Man, that's a tricky question. Inside or outside? I mean, you could do both. <sighs> Fuck, yeah. <laughs> um, hmm... That's a yeah. That's a really tricky question. There's no rush. Yeah. All you can skip. I know. <laughs> okay, so inside the discography, I'd have to say probably something off the new record. Mm. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I would. I would probably say Data Demon defines me at the moment in what I'm working on, even now that I'm furtherly going to release later, probably okay. later in the year or next year. Um. That probably represents where I'm trying to go with music and what I kind of... It's got all the elements of everything that I think about music in. Um, and it took the longest to make as well, actually, off the whole oh, yeah? record. Yeah, it took like three months to finish that song. Um, but yeah, outside... Man. 
I would, I would probably. Mm, mm, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what was on your mind? <laughs> I was going to say like Steve Wright. As this, uh, ever since I got uh, shown it in a class I had for music like, way back in the day. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, different trains counterpoint by Steve Reich and it's that's always been I mean it's not really yeah I don't yeah I don't know I guess that's probably always been the the go-to track of mine not really like what defines me but right probably defines a lot of what I think about music cool or like how it's done yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sort of in that sort of minimalist way and stuff yeah, I mean, I love how open-ended the question is because people can just pull it, like any sort. Yeah, of, yeah. Say the first song that they heard, or a song that like is inherent to the project, or yeah, yeah, man. So good answers. Um, have you been listening to much other music lately? And if so, what artists should we be on the lookout for? Mm. Uh, or can you not give them away because you're working with them and you want to surprise us? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what have I been listening to? To be honest, I've actually just been listening to a lot of older stuff. Okay. Yeah. Um, like Philip Glass. Uh, I mention him a lot, actually. I don't know why I mention him so much. But, um, yeah, Philip Glass. A lot of Bjork. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't really, I don't know. Recently, it's kind of been a bit of a weird one. Yeah. I mean, I could flip through my iTunes right now, but. Is that because of the insular process creating ruinism? Yeah, I think so. I was chatting to my mate about this the other night because he was like, well, what sort of you know music do you actually listen to when you're <laughs> not making music? And I'm like, well, I don't actually <laughs> listen to a lot of music. Yeah. You know, it's That's weird. Nice. And I've, I've always, yeah, always thought that was kind of weird. I, I don't think I could ever really be a good, uh, well, I mean, uh, I'm not going to say that actually. <laughs> now. no 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 it's cool man um yeah i don't know i mean as a, uh, if i was djing i would have to really think about a selection yeah i'm not one of these guys that's just like constantly on to the next thing on to the next thing it's impossible when you're creating yeah I really, as much as you do yeah you say that though i do know a few people that have a really good selection but they're also creating as well i don't, oh, I don't know how they separate the two things in my mind it's it's really difficult to do that yeah um especially if it's current music and stuff that you know is very now and like being on top of that game yeah i i listen to all like all sorts of different stuff mm. like um like different genres and like a lot of classical music and stuff like that even and, and like rap hip hop and all the rest of it okay um but yeah it, yeah i don't know i, I never really listened to my type of genre or yeah the sort of stuff that i make that's kind of cool to be so blind yeah. in that area because it, it must be such a refreshing experience yeah when you do encounter people for example if you have a show with someone that you've never met before yeah you're like oh you do music like, that's cool yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, nice yeah um and it also keeps your music so true to you yeah yeah. Um, which is a, something that a lot of people don't have a chance to do because they're so involved in the scene and yeah. that kind of stuff as well. Yeah, so. that's a, yeah, I'm quite, yeah, I'd say it's, it's quite a lucky thing to be able to do that, I yeah. think. And I've always kind of been on the outside of various scenes and stuff. I've never really thought about being involved in in things in that in that way. And I've always thought of music as if I don't hear it, I want to sort of create it. Yeah. So I would say like though, you know, saying that actually just off the top of my head now, thinking about like new music and stuff, I've listened to a lot of Clark, uh, the new record from Clark and uh Andy Stott's latest record and a couple of his old bits as well. It's been quite influential actually, listening yeah. to them guys. Um Yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. <laughs> so this is another segue because I meant to ask this in the uh, the beginning. Yeah. And, and don't worry, the questions are almost done. Yeah. Oh, no, okay. yeah. Um, so a lot of producers now feel like they can get by just making music with no instruction, just learning as they make more music, which is sometimes true. Like mm. people now build careers off their laptops and yeah. it's just making music and interacting with the community. But you did a degree in music technology, didn't you? Yeah. And would you say that that is essential to your career as Lapalux now? And if so, what were the biggest ways it had an effect on you? 
yes and no. I think uh, the biggest influence on the way that I create music and stuff now is because I did a course within what I was doing uh, at university um, called Sonic Arts. And it was all about, um, we had this room uh, and it had like, I think it was, I can't remember how many speakers, but like four subwoofers on the floor and then like just a ring of um, uh, mids and tops uh, speakers mad all around the top and you could use this this guy actually that was at the uh university made a bit of software where you could pan music in a 3d space and that for me and the way he taught and the way that he spoke about sonic arts as a as a textural thing you know you could make a wave crash over your head and you could do all this weird stuff with um you know, effects on, on, I think we were using Cubase back then. Yeah. Um, and what you could make sound do. And like that idea of like morphing something into another thing, you know, <clears throat> I use a, uh, a few plugins to do that. It's, I think it's spectral morphing mm. where you can take a sound of, you know, a baby crying and turn it into like a lion roaring or something, you know, yeah. and it sort of filters out everything. It kind of blends it all together. I've, that's always fascinated me ever since I learned that at university mm. that was the main thing that I gravitated towards and I was always in there trying to you know recording things in the studio and then manipulating them but I've always done that even without going to university like even back in the day I used to have a little uh, one of the first mp3 players that came out or whatever or, or you know it'd been a while but I got my hands on one and it had a little microphone thing and I'd just record other kids at my school and like go home and pick apart what they're saying and stuff or like record, you know, tapping tables. Yeah, and turn it like into that. beats. Yeah, and turn it into whatever, you know. Yeah. And, but yeah, at university definitely, definitely allowed me to sort of think about music in a really strange way and like textural way and doesn't have to have a rhythm or anything like that. And it yeah. got me introduced into a lot of artists that I look up to in that sort of, field as well and that's just sound design, uh, sound design and stuff like that yeah but uh yeah and i also had a lot of time off in music creative <laughs> music technology i was literally third year i was just going in like once once a week so yeah most of the time i was just sitting around just messing around yeah you know i'm playing with your own discoveries that you've done inside and outside of uni I guess, yeah. which is also useful yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah yeah, it was it was definitely a good thing. There's a lot of parts of the course that I didn't want to do and yeah. didn't think that I would ever really be bothered with. And you know that is that is definitely true. But mm. yeah, it'd be great if it was cheaper. But oh yeah, <laughs> especially in the like it was better for Mate. us back when we went. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Even then, it's still bloody. Insane. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know the guy? Uh, the name of the uh, was it Electro? Whoever who had the three D? Yeah, I forget his name now. Oh man, that sucks. Nah, yeah. no worries. Yeah. I mean, if it comes back, then we we'll work it out. But it's, yeah. it's funny how you can have that that education on something as a high tech as a room of speakers and subs and mids and highs. Um, versus like I don't know if you've ever heard it but on YouTube there's this like infamous clip of like a barbershop it's supposed to be like an audio barbershop from 2007 so like, the quality was like 240 like kilobits per second or something yeah. and you plug in your headphones and even it's, that gives sounds you, like you're getting a yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's ridiculous like it's, yeah it's ah, insane. yeah so that yeah them head that you can you can get them earphones I have a set of them earphones oh are those like special ones yeah so you could they're 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 earphones, but they're microphones. So, oh, that's like a kickstarted thing recently. No, no, no. They, no? They've been going for, for years. It's, oh, okay. Uh, I think we actually studied that at university as well. Um, man, I wish I could remember the name of the goddamn things, man. Mm. No, they're really sick, though. They're okay. Basically, they, they go into your ears. Yeah. And you plug them into a little portable recorder. And it it records sounds as your ear hears them. Right. So then if you play it back to yourself or anyone else with, if they put headphones on, it sounds like you're, you're you in experience. a place yeah. with like, if a, if a cat is up purring in your ear or whatever, it feels like it's there. Okay. 
That's really cool. Man, what is oh. That's not even what I was talking about. But... Oh, it's not. No, 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 no. That that sounds awesome, and I would love to know the name. But what, my point was more that like something as expensive and crazy high tech um, as that like straight, I don't know, call like system with yeah. all those speakers, uh, can, like can give someone an education as can. Uh, this 3D barbershop thing, which isn't like special headphones, it's just like you plug in any headphones. Like it could have been old, like Sony, like regular ones. Yeah. And even in its like glorious 240 kilobits per second yeah, yeah. sound, it still communicates, and it really sounds like you're getting a hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's amazing how yeah. you can have similar experiences, even though that's obviously on another scale. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'd love to know what the name of those headphones are, but I'll have to look them up. Yeah, I fucking can't remember. Yeah, no, that sucks. So, um, yeah, my last question is just, uh, what are your plans for the next 12 months? Um, well, we're working on music video at the moment uh, for Ruinism. Uh, Can you say which track? Or, well, probably not. Yeah, not at yeah. the moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we're working on working on a music video. Um, planning the tour, which is yeah. going really well, actually. We've got some good offers in and stuff. Um, and... I'm actually hoping, fingers crossed, to release a EP, uh, another EP after the record, maybe like towards the end of the year. Yeah. I'm working on some really interesting sort of stuff at the moment. And I really want to put it out. Because I find that I found that recently because I haven't really put anything out in, you know, in two years. And I've been solidly just off off the radar. Radar, really. Yeah. yeah. And I figured, yeah, especially in today's day and age, everything needs to be kind of put out. As not as quickly as possible, but yeah. like when you're ready, it needs to be pushed and gone out. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I'd like to like to get this EP that I'm working on finished and yeah. uh, release that sort of the end of the year. Cool. So I'm kind of just doing that really, at yeah, the and enjoying the sun. Yeah. At the moment, that's <laughs> important. So you're back on the radar and radar radio anyway. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a collaborator that you did a lot of your videos, or at least two of them, with. I can't remember his name. Uh, Nick Ray Rutter. Yeah. Yeah. Is he involved in the new one or? Uh, not currently. Um, oh yeah, we've been chatting for a while about doing an actual like feature length film, but. But um, yeah, I mean that's still a pipe dream, and mm. still, you know, he needs to work out what he's doing and stuff as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome, man! Thank you so much for the interview. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me down.